Pain Train Productions presents Arch Rivals Football Season 2. Your starting lineup, Ricky Litwinkowicz, Alex Aldape, Todd Rosenfeld, and Nicholas Russell. Enjoy the show. What is up, everybody? It is fucking Tuesday night. Yeah, it's a quarter to ten. I don't give a fuck. It's Arch Rivals Football Season 2, and uh, Week 9 is fucking over. It is over. Officially. (laughs) Unbelievable. And there's only one undefeated team left. We'll talk about that in a little while. Yeah, we'll talk about those guys in a while. This week, there's also six teams off on a bye week, so the Sunday schedule is going to be ultimately fucking short. Ow, damn. To uh, let everybody know who is here, on the lower left-hand corner of the screen is Mr. Alex Aldape. Yeah. In the upper left-hand corner of the screen, you have Mr. Nicholas Russell. All right. So uh, there, there's some quite a few topics for the show tonight. Uh, Alex said he had something he was going to start off with. Uh, knock it out, dude. All right. So this is in your neck of the woods, Ricky. And I, I know it's not pro football, but it is high school football. Uh, Massapequa. Pequa? Is that how you say it? That would be actually be out in Long Island, New York. Long Island, yes. It's all this all this is on Long Island. The Southside Cyclones were undefeated but when Plain Plain Edge High School blew them out. Didn't matter that the play uh, so basically Plain Edge beat uh Southside by sixty one to thirteen. And so, like, the, the coach, okay, so the coach at Plain Edge doesn't have a problem with this. However, the Section 8 Athletics suspended coach, uh, the coach for uh, Shaver, Rob Shaver, from, or, sorry, the, the Southside coach didn't have a problem with it. Uh, Plain Edge, their Plain Edge coach got suspended. Uh, I th- I believe for the season. Yeah, th- there's some supposedly uh, uh, a mercy rule in football now. Yeah, uh, I never heard unwritten, of that. Uh, it's an unwritten rule, but apparently in a lot of high school sports. Now, I don't know why this doesn't happen in college, for Christ's sakes. But God forbid, you know, that a fucking team is playing and uh, you can't stop them. Uh, the point of the game is to stop the opposing team from scoring. And you've seen that happen in the NFL quite a few times, especially with the Pats, the Saints, go on, you know, like that. Uh, I, I did find the article kind of fucked up. I was supposed to post it, but apparently Friday night I got put in Facebook jail again, so oh, I couldn't good. post it. Yeah, see, I don't understand the ruling behind that. I mean, look, you've got four downs to get 10 yards, and there's a play clock. I mean, it's kind of like, and I know, like, since I just watched KU lose to Duke right now, but it, but uh, Bill Self got in, almost got in trouble for for this at the KU basketball team about five years ago because they just blew a team out of the water. I mean, just annihilated them. And he's just like, look, we've got 25 seconds to get this ball 
I have to shoot at the basket. If it goes in, it goes in. He's like, they have to shoot. Within 25 seconds, that ball has to hit the rim or else we give up the ball. You can't kill the clock. I mean, that's so that's the same with these kids. These kids have four downs to get 10 yards. And if they keep getting 10 yards and they and the defense can't stop them, who's fucking how is it the coach's fault? Well, apparently according to the article, it said that something that there was a bylaw within I I guess maybe it's Suffolk County. I'm not exactly sure, but for I I guess the mercy rule and I kind of put that in quotation marks because there really is no mercy in football. I mean, if that were the case, that would happen in all the college games where, and, and Nick, you've seen quite a few of the college games as well, where scores are like 77 to 6. Like, yeah, you, you really can't put a cap on that. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, the thing about the colleges, especially when you get, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Alabama taking on, you know, Louisiana Lafayette, like, Alabama pays those schools to play you know, like big money to play them like that. So they 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 know what they're walking into. Um, but this wussification of high school football is a flipping joke. You know, we're now in the era where everyone gets participation trophies and and third place medals and all kinds of nonsense. So the the coach getting suspended is dumb as balls, but the, the high school getting mad because of it doesn't shock me because welcome to the wussification of America where now we're suspending coaches because the other team sucks and everybody has to have a chance to win. Well, that's the thing. It's not even the, the opponent's coach. The opponent's coach didn't care. Like He was just like, look, they beat the shit out of us. Like, he's like, I don't have a problem with it. It was the league. And okay, so I, I'm reading out. He didn't, I think he only got uh, he only got taken out for a couple games uh didn't matter they didn't want to lose they didn't appeal it because they didn't want to have risk have not having their head coach when the playoffs start but even so they, that was friday that next that next day they took on lindbrook uh and they took him down 36 to 0 uh so they didn't have a problem with their, without their coach but now there's a bylaw in this there's a loophole so you can rack up the score as much as you want as long as it's backups so if it's backups, it doesn't matter what the score is. But if your starters are in there, then you can't run up the score. All right. And that's so so again, even still, and, and this is the age where football again is get is getting that pussification that everybody's talking about, all right? But what yeah. happens if you run into a team where their backups are just as good as the starters and they're still continually gonna put up points? Explain exactly. it because if if because at some point you can't have your backups who are normally like your special teams, okay? Those guys are going to be out there playing regardless. You can't. Yeah. It's not like you can fully put a tag on a starter and say, okay, once the starter comes out of the game, he ain't allowed to come back and play in. They're not going to get fucking. Hello, my name is starting quarterback number one, and then not the guy not see the field anymore. Yeah. No, and I mean, I understand that. And I, I, okay, so here's my deal. I think it's a little dumb for the coach to like keep his starters in if they're winning. I mean, that you're going into the playoffs. You're going to be obviously going to be going to the playoffs. You're kicking teams' ass like that. Um, so why risk hurting your player, your star players? But at the same time, who gives a shit? Obviously, these kids weren't having a problem. 
So it, I, I don't understand why. Why I see? Yeah, I don't like it. It's just a pussification of fucking football. It's everybody's like, oh, that's not nice to do to little Jimmy's football team because he worked really hard. I'm like, well, your coach sucks. So obviously, or little Jimmy's fucking sucks sucks ass. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, how about how about how about instead of having him sitting there crying because he got blown out, won't you go run some drills? Genius. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Yeah, but you know what though? That also goes back to that article that, that me and Nick talked about on Friday with the whole fact that shit, they're not gonna have people uh tackling soon. Like how much does that even make more sense? The fact Wait, that they're what doing now? That? Yeah, they they wanna start a law. It's especially here in New York because a guy decided at the age of 42, he was going to speak out about how the 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 growing of a child is fucked up because they're teaching kids how to tackle at the age of 12. Okay, okay, I read this. So they're going to try to they're going to try to cancel Pop Warner League or tell them they can't fucking hit. Exactly. Look, I started hit playing tackle football when I was in third grade. Uh, I don't see a problem with it. Those kids can't hit each other that hard. I mean, it's really, they're 12-year-olds. They're fucking idiots. Yeah, but it's more of the fact being is that the progression of the tackling gets worse as they go up. And again, the, the, the argument that I had about it was is that at that age... You know, you're starting. You're you're just going into. You should already be actually halfway through junior high at that point. All right, because you mm-hmm. can graduate junior high at like 13. Yeah. So you're going in to high school football. You're not just going to throw some kid in there that doesn't know how to tackle straight into the lion's den, so to speak, and have his head torn off because he wasn't taught the taught the proper way to do the tackling or to absorb a tackle. Or I mean, it, it's that there's a lot of progression there that was just thrown out the door. No, and I agree with you because I actually got to see that. I actually got to experience that one like in my life because I lived when I grew up. I lived in El Dorado, Kansas, and they started like little league football at like third grade. So I was already playing tackle football. Well, I got I moved back to Dodge City, and. They didn't start playing football or tackle football till seventh grade. So I'd already been playing for four years. And then by the time I get here, like I was smashing kids. Like, I, I mean, it was just like, you, I know how to fucking hit people. I knew how to take people down. And these, these kids like had no idea what the fuck was going on. And it was like me and two other guys that had just moved here that play played on that team. And it's like, my coach was like, how long have you been playing? I was like, I was third grade. And he's like, holy shit. These kids haven't, you know, they've been playing flag football for until this year. So I was like, well, that's kind of, that's that's lame. Because that that's the thing. Those kids don't know what the fuck to do. And they're getting smashed. Now they have the little, the little leagues where they start at like 11 or 10 or 11. But... I mean, if these kids are going to go ahead and go and play football, I mean, you got to start them off early so they know they're going to get themselves even more hurt. Because if you're not expecting to get hit by somebody or know how to take a hit, you're going to get seriously injured. And that's probably why 
a lot of these kids will because uh, their parents thought it was wasn't safe enough or was too dangerous for them to play as a young kid. Well, it's even more dangerous now because the kid doesn't know how to take a hit, and the equipment's a lot better too than it and was. And the back equipment's the day a well. whole lot better. Than, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. Antonio Brown's helmet didn't have shit on the thing I wore on my head as a third grader. <laughs> and I'm fine. Well, I, I played when I started playing when I was 10, and I'm 42 now, and you don't see me walking around with CTE issues. Yeah, but we also didn't get hit by Vontaze Perfect. That is true. <laughs> All right, so some other news out of, can you consider it Southern California? Yes. Okay. So can we really consider it Southern California? Yes. All right. So apparently because the lower attendance issues for the currently homeless chargers, I'll still call them San Diego. You can call them LA, but they're still homeless. Uh, rumor was going around that the NFL wanted to take and move the LA chargers to the UK. Now, so stupid. Well, again, and they'll probably still keep him in the AFC West too. I don't know if you can really even do that though. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless unless you're going to start doing that realigning that you keep seeing, like the little the memes that people keep putting up about about football potentially realigning the divisions yet again, you have no choice but to leave them in the AFC West. Yeah. But uh, according to the uh, the article here, Chargers owner Dean Spanos emphatically shot down that report, and apparently that it has been discussed for a while that the Chargers possibly could be moved to the UK. Uh, well, well, I'm not. I'm going to read the quote, but I'm going to add lib it a little bit because that's the way our show is. Um, it's total fucking bullshit. Okay. They had it with all lines. Okay, we're not oh. we're we're not going to London. We're going we're not going anywhere. We're playing in LA. This is our home. This is where I'm planning to be for a long fucking time. Period. Well this is what he says. San Diego's your home. Thank you. And, and you, you left, left, and, you left just shit on, and you guys just shit on that. I'm telling you what, you know why people, because people are, more than the Raiders going to Vegas, the fucking folks at San Diego are super pissed. I don't know, I mean, you didn't really see a bunch of Raider fans, like, burning their jerseys and shit. Oh, no, they gathered in San, at the San Diego office and were lighting bonfires of all the fucking merch that they'd bought over the years. Those guys are super pissed. Yep. So... I am. Un- I understand. I thought it was stupid. Like, why the fuck is San Diego is San Diego going to L.A.? Like, they don't have any fucking fans there. Yeah, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up because we were talking about this a little bit off the, uh, off air before we came on. They never, dude. The fact that the NFL keeps trying to throw Los Angeles in everybody's faces that this team needs, that this city needs a franchise, is arguably one of the biggest jokes in NFL history. You had two chances. You had the Raiders once before. You had the Rams once before. Both teams didn't work out. Okay? The Rams were doing fine in St. Louis. The Raiders are doing fine in Oakland. And I don't blame Oakland or the Raiders franchise from moving to Las Vegas because it's a cash cow there. 
but it didn't work in L.A. So why the Rams and the Chargers find it for whatever reason to want to go to Los Angeles is a joke. And the NFL is a joke. So now, not only did you take two NFL franchises that have no business in Los Angeles, now you're trying to take one to take them to the UK where there's no business of being football out there, too. It's stupid, dude. Like, Roger Goodell to me yeah. is a dumbass. This he is needs all to calm it the fuck down. Seriously, dude. How about you worry about the game in the United States first? And then let's worry about because, dude. I'm not waking up at 8.30 in the morning to watch games in London. That's I'm not, not either. I'm not either. And let's just talk about this as well. All right. Let's look at the handful of people in the United States that give a fuck about British football or soccer. Exactly. I, I, I mean, I'll watch it if it's on. And I mean, but I'm not going to, like, wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning just so I can go see fucking Liverpool play. No. And that's the thing. The people in London... Don't give a fuck about American football. They're like, oh, they're playing a game here? Fucking tits. Let's go take the kids out and watch these fucking barbarians smack into each other for a few hours. And, and that's I all they that get. Is. It's a tourist attraction for them. That's all it is. They don't they don't have the market. They've got their own sports over there. They don't need we don't why do we need to go to fucking London? Why do we have to go to London? Yeah. Exactly. For that matter, why can't you just do it like the NBA and the fucking major leagues have it, where you have teams in fucking Canada? You might as well just do it. Or why don't you? Why don't you? How about Oklahoma City get a pro football team? Thank you. Give them a pro football team. They fucking want one, and they people would go. Holy shit! I used to drive in Oklahoma every day. You'd be surprised at like BFE Oklahoma, all the OKC Thunder stickers, all the tags, and people wearing OKC Thunder shit. Those people buy into their state. They buy into their fucking teams. Go to Oklahoma City. They yeah. need a fucking football team. Make it the go back to St. Louis. I'm go back to St. Louis where you had a fucking con- or you had a fucking fan base. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Or you know what? They could just go back to San Diego where they had a perfectly good field and a fucking fantastic fan base. Now those motherfuckers in San Diego, they don't give a shit. They're like, fuck you guys. If Chargers went, they still wouldn't go. Yep. Yep. Couldn't agree more, dude. So so thumbs up to the owner for making that jackass move. Freaking moron. You can't get the guys. So here's the double whammy. First, you leave San Diego. And the only reason why they net technically left San Diego was because they couldn't renew the lease at Qualcomm or whatever the F they were calling it over there. They couldn't they couldn't um renew the lease, so they had to go somewhere. So they're like, oh well, we'll just join the Rams and join with the with the uh, you know the Los Angeles movement because th- we feel like this is the cool thing to do. And nobody in Los Angeles gives a rat's monkey ass about your team. Hell, to be honest with you, it's a lot of people in Los Angeles that couldn't give a rat's ass about the Rams either. Because if you watched a lot of them games, um, there's just as many away fans as there is home fans for both the Rams and the Chargers. And now you're trying to build this $500 million breathtaking stadium for two NFL teams for a city that could give a rat's monkey ass about either team. Give me a break, dude. And it's all Roger Goodell because his stupid dumbass who still has a job for whatever reason thinks that, yeah, we got we to move a team to Los Angeles, man. It, it has to happen. It has to happen. No, it doesn't have to happen at all. How about that? 
I I I yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, dude, you could move a team to like Bismarck, North Dakota, and I'm sure they would get more fans and more recognition than these ass clowns in freaking Los Angeles. They don't care. All they care about is the Dodgers and the Lakers. You're looking and, and the yeah, half of them that like the Raiders. Yes. Yes. And they're gonna become Vegas fans soon, so who cares? Jesus, dude. The NFL is so dumb. If it isn't broke, don't fix it. Why are we going overseas? Why are we going to Canada? Why are, Why are we, we going, going to Mexico? Mexico? Why? They can buy the Sunday ticket like everybody else or stream it on Reddit or buy a fire stick or however the hell else you watch football games. But we don't need to go to London. There's, I, I, I'm pretty sure there, there's no one in England talking about, hey, I hope they bring a team to England. Like, I could really go for a Chargers game. They don't give a crap. No. Yeah, and the other thing about and the do whole... And do we want London? Do we Do we really want... And I'm not being like... I'm not being, uh, what is it, prejudice against them? Have you seen the way those guys act at fucking soccer games? They yeah. beat the fuck out of each other. They're fucking horrible. Like, they got, like, organized fucking gangs over there for their city team. And the other holy the, shit! If we go to London, there are going to be wars. We will restart the we'll start the revolution again. Well, the other thing that you also have to look at if a team goes to London. Now this year, if a team went to London, they got the next week off. So now imagine how much you're going to fuck up the NFL fucking schedule with a team, for example, like this past weekend, it was Houston and Jacksonville. Guess what? They have this bye week off. And every week you have a team traveling to that, you're extending out fucking places like bye weeks because what does San Diego do if they have to fly from the UK back and forth to the United States all the time? Yep. It doesn't work. It doesn't it really work. does not work. Because they're going to have to do it every other week. Yeah. And how do you, how if you're a team that's traveling to London, like how do you practice for something like that? You know what I'm saying? Like let's say, Let's say if you're the Seattle Seahawks and you have to go play the 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 UK Chargers, like how do you practice for that? Like how do you travel? That's how a twenty-hour flight. Yeah, exactly. Well, you have to try. Oh, you well, Seattle. They don't have to fly into Florida first, and then fly overseas to do it. Yeah, that's they can fly to New York. The, the majority of the teams that fly out, it's not going to be out of New York. But well, they could fly out of New York because they'd fly out of JOK. They do a lot of international flight. But apparently, though, it's easier for them to leave from Florida to be almost in the same like direct line as it would be to go to go to the UK. But yeah, you're still looking be, at a ton of travel from, time. Yeah, yeah, they're still still a six hour flight in what fourteen hours. Yeah. yeah. Unless they bring back the Concord, this this game is not this does not need to happen. No, it doesn't at all. Couldn't agree more. Keep it in the states where it Keep belongs. Keep it in the states. I mean, that's and I'm not saying I don't like, like Europe. You can start your own football league. We'll help you. It's cool. Here's well, a funny I, thing: the NFL tried football in Europe with the what was it? The uh, I don't want to call it the European league. That's NFL not, Europe. Oh, yeah, was it NFL work with like it was NFL like Europe, Prime Fire, and all that other BS? There was, there. There, there was eight teams, and they didn't play half the schedule that the NFL does in the, in the states. No, and it was more like an NFL developmentally, where like certain teams are on the practice squad, and like if you were signed to an NFL team, you had the logo on the back of your helmet. 
It's like, yeah, no, man. So that already failed. So what makes you think that going to London is it, it, it's the way to go, Roger? Idiot. Yeah. What an idiot. Yeah. Well, he's the, but he's the, he's been the one that's been pushing for this this multinational league, which yeah. I don't have a problem with. Like Canada, I really don't have an issue with that as long as there's not a hole in the middle of the end zone. Yeah. As we saw with the abortion in the preseason against the Raiders and the Packers. Yeah, dude. That was ridiculous. Like, can you can you legit sit here and tell me five good things that Roger has, Goodell has done for the NFL that this jackass still has a job? Seriously, that I couldn't even I couldn't even list one to tell I you. Can, I couldn't list. Thank one. you. Well, thank you. So I'm just trying to figure out because Roger Goodell, quote unquote, works for the owners, right? I'm trying to figure out what bread he's really putting in the owners' pockets that they're like, hmm. Well, you know what? Roger's doing a great job. He's not. Freaking Roger Goodell sucks. All right, let's I talk. Agree. Let's uh, let's talk about some key injuries or uh, players that are going to be gone for the rest of the season. Okay, um, I'm going to start off with Philly on this one. Deshaun Jackson has now currently been placed on the injured reserve for the rest of the season. Will not play any downs for the rest of the season. Okay, apparently he's having abdominal surgery on. Oh, I actually had the surgery today. Uh, Philly has been in that tailspin where they've had no wide receiving core for, I'd say, probably about half the season already. If not more. So, Deshaun Jackson gone. I don't know how well that's really going to affect Philly for the rest of the season. But they still at least have Alshon Jeffrey. Zach Ertz is starting to play a little bit better. That's kind of just... You know, uh, a minor weapon there, I would think. I think more of the bigger story is the Cam Newton going on the IR with mm-hmm. the foot injury. He's had it since the preseason. Uh, played the first few games. They got killed. Uh, they, they Their backup quarterback has been doing phenomenal as of late. And I have to say it's kind of a, a big thing that he's going out on the market because... Quarterbacks who could be hitting the free agency market in March. Uh, Newton is on that list. Prescott's on that list. Rivers is on that list. James Winston, Mariota, Andy Dalton, Eli Manning, and Joe Flacco. Well, the heat. Joe Flacco isn't sticking around. If they got like Philip Rivers and Cam Newton on the on the free agency list, Joe Flacco is not going to stay in Denver. So. He's really not, and I'm not shocked that Cam Newton got put on the IR by the Panthers. They're playing much better without him. They don't need him to come back, and maybe they're doing him a favor by putting him on IR so he can be healthy and ready for the uh, next team uh, that he plays for, for. For the next team he plays for, because he might, he may not be coming back to Carolina. Um, it's unfortunate, but you know, it's it's pretty much the next man up, and. I think what's his name is his job is really on the line too. I, I know I'm kind of jumping the gun here, and I said something before we came on the air, but uh, you know Nick Foles is supposed to be coming back for Jacksonville, and they're already tabbing him the starter. So if Nick Foles Nick Foles could find himself, you know, because the NFL has no guaranteed contracts, if he starts to flub, especially how good Gardner Minshew has been for the last I don't know what like eight nine weeks or whatever, um, he could be on the free agent market too. So, um, but that's a good that's a good slew of quarterbacks there for teams that 
might be trying to build the bridge to uh, maybe for some of these young quarterbacks that are coming out because this quarterback class is coming out this year. It's really great. Really good. Yeah, it's really good. So uh, if you if you're going to draft one of these guys and you're trying not trying to start them right away, Philip Rivers would make sense. Eli makes sense. Um, <clears throat> there's a couple other guys you said on that list that makes sense. But um yeah, dude, Philip Rivers leaving uh, Los Angeles or San Diego, whatever the hell we're calling them. London, London, you know, the UK Chargers. Um, that's going to be a big one. Uh, Marcus Mariota, I think he he pretty much got himself the pink slip once uh, Tannehill started really playing better. So uh, and that team started winning games. So, by the way, Alex, take the blur off on Skype. Oh, do I have the blur on? Yeah, on you, have, you have the blur on. All right, so here's another major topic before we really start getting into some games. Nine weeks of this shit plus four weeks of the preseason. The fucking coach is challenging the fucking PI calls. Now, yeah. last night in that... I was wondering what that was. That debacle of the fucking bullshit game in MetLife between the Cowboys and the Giants. I had never seen such fucking pity pat PI calls ever. I mean, if the guy even was breathed on, they called a fucking pass interference. I'm sorry. I, I kind of agree with the tweet from Tony Dungy, a coach that I really kind of never liked until after he left the Colts. Um, NFL, please do me a favor and don't let coaches challenge any more pass interference calls. You're causing teams to lose timeouts, making your officiating department look inept and making us fans feel stupid like we don't know what the meaning of clear and obvious and significant P.I. is. Uh, I agree with that 100%. I mean, seriously... It's it's stupid. It's annoying. It's dragging down the game. I mean, it's it, it is it's whining. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of the game. I mean, it, I think you know think, what, you know what it is, dude. At the end of the day, the only the the. The team that needs to be blamed for this are the New Orleans Saints. And oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent fan base. Because if if the, if if the New Orleans Saints and the goof ass Saints fans were not crying a storm, Calm down there, we got a oh, couple in here. Oh, I don't care who's in here. If they didn't go around making music videos and making petitions and trying to read the rule book about that blatant pass interference call that for whatever reason got missed, this would have never happened. Instead of just taking the L and moving on, they cried a storm from New Orleans to the front offices of the NFL, and this is why we have teams that are challenging pass interference calls. The problem is, is you have, the, okay, the thing is, the, 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 
the point is missed is in the beginning of the year, if you felt that there was pass interference, but pass interference wasn't called, those were getting more overturned than the than pass interference being called and then trying to overturn it. Because a pass interference, believe it or not, it's more or less a judgment call. You can't, it's hard to challenge a judgment call. If they think it's pass interference, then it is pass interference. Okay, and and the unfortunate thing is the unfortunate thing is, is, is that these coaches, you know, like like Ricky said, there are maybe hand checks, pity pat fouls and whatnot. But the coaches sometimes, once again, you got to just take the L. You got to take the L. And I'm not saying that it wasn't clear pass interference in that NFC title game. I'm just saying all the clear crybaby nonsense that came afterwards, like the New Orleans Saints didn't have chances to win that football game, is the reason why we're in this nonsense that we are right now. Well, I I, I can tell you from my experience of watching that game, okay? Now, there was a play in the game, all right? I, I, I was absolutely proud of, but it was not called pass interference. And it was a play, I believe it was in the fourth quarter. Uh, Evan Ingram went up for a pass, and the linebacker legitimately destroyed him from behind. All right, lowered his, his the shelf of his pads and little legitimately ran Evan Ingram over. No pass interference call. Dallas gets the ball back. The guy legitimately waves at the receiver, okay? There's not even any real contact whatsoever. They call that pass interference. Well, but, that's the thing. I saw that in the no, – uh, uh, sorry to cut you off, but I saw that in the Oakland and Lions game too. There are several plays. Now they're just calling pass interference if the guys fart in the, each, each other's direction. Like it, it's it's fucking ridiculous, and I know we've got comments here, but from Alicia because she's a Saints fan, it was clear pass interference in that game. If it was your team, you'd feel the same way. No, My you know it sucks already. My team got screwed in the playoffs. Remember the birdie manual, quote unquote, no catch. BS. That was a clear catch by Bert Emanuel. We got screwed. So don't tell me I, I, you know, I would feel the same way. But guess what Tampa Bay didn't do? We didn't go around making petitions, crying like wusses to the eh, they need to restart the game because that cost us the game. How about you go out there and play a little defense and get the ball back so you can win? How about that? There's two sides to the game. Yeah, it sucks. I'm not saying it doesn't suck, but suck it up and go out there and play a little defense, which the Saints clearly didn't do. Did yeah, not I, do. I, I agree with that. It, 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 she also says it's not our fault. The officials sucked at that sucked that game. It cost us the NFC Championship game. Well, let me take you back to the year 2001. It was a cold, wintry day. And Oakland was – let me set the settings for you. It was the fourth quarter. Yep. And Oakland was playing the New England Patriots. Figures. Tom Brady goes back. Yep. Gets sacked. Fucking sack. sacked by Charles Woodson. Clear That's sack. Right. Clear sack. And then this is the first we've ever heard of the tuck rule. Yeah. Which I still don't know what the tuck rule is. 
But I know it got, got at this point. What do we, we know? What pass losing. interference is at this point? No, exactly. We don't even know. <laughs> because if, if if you get and, fucking shit and on, yes, you're right. Something like that completely changes the emotion, the, the 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 momentum of the game, Alicia. But everybody gets fucked by the refs. Yep, that's why they're refs. They're there to officiate the game. They're not. They're human beings. And unless you want eight more refs out there, they're gonna miss some shit. It happens. That's part of the game. I mean, I hate to tell you. I'm sorry. I wish you guys would have gone to the NFC champion or to the Super Bowl, but you didn't. So I was going to play a little defense on that last drive when they got the ball. Thank you. Play a little defense. I don't know, but but again, I think this whole PI thing. I think I, I understand them testing it in the preseason. I can understand that. All right, but you know what? This rule here, and this was agreed upon. Like quite a few people in the New York media said it. They said it after the after the Sunday night game on um, Westwood One Radio. This rule should have just been put in place for the playoffs and nothing else. Okay, because now through 17 weeks of the season, you have to sit there and gamble a timeout, maybe two, and then when you come down to that critical drive in the fourth quarter, you ain't got shit to fucking play with. No. So now, like, I get uh, the the PI rule again. Maybe should have just been for the playoffs. You tested in the preseason because for a long stretch, they did not overturn one OPI. And it was like at one point I think it was O for thirty four that they had not overruled or they they changed a pass interference call, and you're just killing the time of the game. You but really at are. I know whose fault is that. If you know they're not going to overturn offensive pass interference, then why would you keep trying to challenge it, knowing that nothing is going to happen? Because again, so now the truth right there. But see, that right there is where I don't feel sorry for for these coaches because you know what the referees are going to do. Now you're going into week 10. So if in 10 weeks you haven't figured out that challenging the, the pass interference rules may not be in your favor, then just don't challenge them. And you're just going to have to take the L whether you get called for DPI or OPI. You know what I'm saying? That's like if that's like if um I don't know what's 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 a great example. Oh, I'll give you a good one. That's like if I go to McDonald's, right? And I get sick. And then I go back to McDonald's five more times, the same one, and I keep getting sick. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, hey McDonald's, you need to change your stuff up because you know, I keep getting sick at the same damn restaurant. You just stop going. Same thing here. If you know that they're not going to change anything with the def- with the pass interference is, even though the option to do it is there, just don't do it. Save your timeouts. Save your challenges for real stuff. You know, like when a when a fake punt or a fake field goal. You know, a guy fumbles the ball, and then you just prematurely, you know, blow the whistle. You know, stuff like that. You know, stupid, the stupid ass nonsense like that. I'd rather save my challenges for that than keep challenging. Pass interference that were called that shouldn't have been called. I actually agree with that, but then again, now I I, I kind of see uh, it'll be like the last point for the for the discussion on this, and then we got the games to go into. But to me, though, like it's almost saying we don't know what the true definition of pass interference is. Going back to the same way is how do we know what is a catch or what's considered a catch? I think the the whole point of the whole. 
whether it's DPI or OPI, is I think that the definitions of the actual foul need to be redefined so that way coaches are not sitting there wasting timeouts. They're not wasting our time because we're sitting there for 20 minutes waiting for them to make a fucking decision that the referees in the stadium are not making. They have to send it all the way into Manhattan to fucking make this decision anyway. So the people in in Manhattan who have the better camera views out of all of us because they have two markets taping the game, still can't overturn a fucking call. So now, but, how, again, do we know what the real definition of OPI and DPI is? The same yes, way it was a catch. You want to know why? We do. You want to know why? Because the definition of pass interference never changed. It never changed. It never changed. There, look, the definition of the catch changed because of the birdie manual game. Then the definition of the catch really changed when the Bears or the Lions got screwed after that Calvin Johnson nonsense, when the man caught the ball, took two steps, fell onto the ground, and flipped the ball in celebration, and they claimed he didn't complete the process of the catch. Then you had Des Bryant, who caught the football, uh, fell, the ball never touched the ground, he ends up catching it on his back and rolled it to the end zone, which was a clear catch for a clear touchdown, and they still call that no catch because they keep fumbling around what the catch is. Pass interference is pass interference. There was no rule change. The only thing that was different was being able to challenge pass interference. There's never been a definition change of what pass interference defensive or offensive is so see that's where i disagree with you to try and compare pass interference to catch because they've never changed the rule they just allowed you to challenge it and if you're balls enough to do it then go right ahead but again for 10 weeks you have unsuccessfully done it so why would you keep on doing it that doesn't make sense yeah, but the calls, again, that, I, that uh, I'll i use as the example were the ones in the Giant game last night. Not for anything, at first, for, to me, it wasn't a great game to begin with. But at the same right, like, it's the whole fact of it being, if I'm going to run up and I'm just going to wave at you, okay, and not make any derogatory change of movement, Okay, for example, I'm not going to run over and bear hug you or mug your arm or whatever. If I'm going to wave at your arm and you call that pass interference, that's a load of crap. Okay? Okay, a, right. A player, right, got, right. a player got bulldozed before the ball even got there. That's not pass interference. Um, unfortunately, you got there early, according to the bullshit that happened in the Saints game last year. So why was that not called pass interference? Again, the calls for the pass interferences, whether they're OPIs or DPIs, are not consistent. Okay, but then again, that's a referee issue. That's not a definition of the rule issue. You see what I'm saying? You're upset because it wasn't called. That's something you put on no, the refs. Well, no, the point that I'm bringing up is, is according to, again, the whole Tony Dungy thing, coaches are now wasting, obviously, valuable timeouts because you only yeah. get three of them per half. Okay. And you only get two challenges for the entire game. Then don't challenge the pass interference. But if, if it's legitimately, it's not, if it's but, a legitimate, but, but, if it's a legitimate. But Ricky, what I'm trying to tell you is 
if you know they're not see just because you have the ability to do something doesn't always necessarily mean that it's smart for you to do it so for tony dungy to go out and say oh well you need to stop you don't need to stop just stop doing it yeah, but what, okay, but let's put it in change pass interference. Then don't waste your challenge to call pass interference. But a lot if of the calls, though, it, a lot of the calls, and it, that whole thirty-four, that that thirty-four call run. Okay, I'd say maybe half of them were legitimate pass interferences, and they weren't overturned. So now, what are you turning around telling everybody that if legitimately a guy gets mugged, like in the game last night, the Giants challenged it, and they didn't overturn the call? So now, what's the point of having the ability to challenge something if you're not going to overturn the proper call? That's the whole point of this thing. If you're yeah, not, I I kind of I'm 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 on the ledge of disagreeing because. Again, if I feel like it's not going to happen, then just don't flip and do it. Because you're, because what we're doing now is we're cuddling the coaches because the coaches all of a sudden aren't halfway smart to know to not waste a challenge if you know you're not going to win it. You we're do we're ten weeks into the season. This isn't like this is week two where it's still brand new and we're working out the kinks. If it hasn't worked in ten weeks, then don't flip and do it. Don't challenge the call. If they call defensive pass interference, then it's defensive pass interference. If they don't call defensive pass interference and you know that there's a good 9 out of 10 chance that you're not going to get that call unless it's blatantly obvious, then don't. If you think it's 50-50 that they're going to make the call, then just keep the flag in your pocket. Don't make the call because then you're going to have Tony Dungy coming out here crying, talking about uh, you got coaches wasting valuable timeouts. That's on the coach. That's on the coach. That's not on the NFL. If there's one thing I'll defend the NFL is on this one. We're giving you the option to do it, but we're not suggesting you should do it because Saints fans cried a goddamn storm over one play that ultimately cost them the season last year when they could have went out and played defense 10 weeks into the season we're going to nine weeks in the season excuse me um and it's the same bs so i just wouldn't do it you know what i'm saying yes were there bad calls in the game last night of course there were yes there were has there been bad calls for the first nine weeks of the season of course there has been but there's nothing you can do about it because referees are human beings. They're going to make mistakes. And and some of this is on the blame of the NFL, and to your, to your credit, because the referees like still probably still don't understand what's a catch, what's not a catch. When should we blow the whistle for a fumble? Should we let them play? What's offsides? What's neutral on the fraction? What's a false start? Yeah, you might be right on that. But at the same time, again, if you see that on paper, 80%, you're not going to win the pass interference calls. Don't challenge the call. Take the L. Play for the next play. All righty. See, this is what this show is all about. This is why we, yeah, all right. we're all together on fucking Tuesdays and Fridays. L rat. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to start getting into some of the games. I'm actually right. making a few uh, little... Uh, think changes here because uh, I, I believe that they actually fixed this issue on NFL.com. 
I know they did on my end because uh, oh, I got it to work it on Internet Explorer. We had the obviously 9.30 Eastern Standard Time, 8.30 Central, uh, 6.30 in the morning, fucking Pacific Standard Time game. Houston going to Jacksonville. I did not stay up to watch this game. I could have. I chose not to. Uh, I felt sleep was more important. Uh, Houston was the road team. Jacksonville was the home team. Final score, 26-3. to I, I I really don't have very many comments on this. I did not watch highlights of this game. Thank God for my brain. Yeah, no shit, right? Uh, you most definitely didn't miss anything. Well, I can tell you. I, I could tell you, though, the running game for Houston was pretty great. Deshaun Watson did not, again, have a pretty much consistent week from uh, some of the weeks in the he's had recently. Minshew being benched this week is, I think, a kind of a huge thing because he threw for 309. I mean, granted, they didn't put any points up, but 13 touchdowns and four picks. He's got almost 2,300 yards for the year. I really don't. I really don't see the reason why you're gonna take and bench him right now. He's gotten. You I think to, it's stupid. He's gotten you to a four and five record. Okay, if this was like, for example, God forbid, uh, Blake Bortles, uh, they might be like two and eight, two and nine. Yeah, you know. Um, but I think Minshew has shown enough to be a starting quarterback, and again, like I don't see that whole. I really wouldn't make that coaching change. No, I wouldn't either. I, I I don't think they w- they should, but it is what it is. Don't worry, Nick Foles will hurt himself. He'll get a hangnail next week, so not a big deal. Oh, maybe or 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 Nick Foles could could you know for a lack of a better way of putting it, yeah, I wouldn't say that, but uh, I think he could put himself in serious trouble if he doesn't come out and perform. He I has to. He has yeah. to come out. Yeah, dude, I think that's what this is. I don't think this is a, oh, we think Gardner Minshew sucks, so we're going to bench him because I know we look at he's what he's he got 14 touchdowns to three interceptions. But but what's also missed in this whole fray is that he's lost seven fumbles. The man's eight fumbled the ball eight times he's lost seven of them. So that's a total of 10 turnovers. So maybe they looking at that, too. Or they could be looking at, okay, we know Minshew's really good, so let's see what Nick Foles does. If Nick Foles comes out here and sucks the next three or four weeks, Nick Foles is not going to have a contract. He's not going to have a job. And I think Tom Coughlin's like, okay, we're going to run with Gardner, and then we're going to see what we can, uh, and then we'll just get rid of Nick Foles. So that could be what's happening here, too. All right. Well, welcome to all of the uh, 20 plus listeners that are currently watching us right now. Right. Uh, all right. If you like football, come hang out, take part in the discussion. We're covering all the games right now. And kindly do us a favor like and share our page, follow our page. More the merrier. Uh, it's football two times a week for you guys. And it's not just straight analytical bullshit. We give it a little bit of attitude. So, again, thanks for everybody to show up. We speak our minds. Oh, yeah, because we just can't do real political football talk because it just doesn't work that way from no. different states. Next up is Chicago at Philly. Oh. Final, <laughs> final score... Philly 22, Chicago 14. Somebody man, please break out the toilet paper. I watched paper. some of this game, and man, Chicago, what the fuck happened to them? I just, 
I don't know. Mitch Trubisky has lost has lost his fucking confidence completely. Like he he has no confidence whatsoever. I mean, it's just they're just so that they started off on fire and they started off great, and then all of a sudden, they played Oakland and London, and then just they've shat the bed ever since then. There you go, and that's and that's where I think it all started with was with Oakland. I think the thing with the Bears is is that you. All right, well, first off, you should hear some of this radio that's going up here in Chicago. I, dude, it is so bad. I thought that Tampa Bay's quarterback situation and some of the fans and what comes out of their mouth is terrible. I heard a guy on the radio, I kid you not, said that the Bears should really consider getting Taysom Hill from uh, from New Orleans and let him run the offense over Mitchell Trubisky. The same Taysom Hill that has only thrown eight passes his entire NFL career, you know, because he's like this. This uh, a wildcat like option quarterback or whatever the hell he is in New Orleans. That's how bad it is here in Chicago. But I'm I, I agree with you, Alex. Where I feel like Mitchell Trubisky has lost a lot of his confidence. And the thing is, the problem is, is that outside of my problem with the Bears, outside of Allen Robinson, they have no weapons. Trey Burton freaking sucks. He has been he has been absolute ass. This entire year, um, for whatever reason, Tariq Cohen has not really been the explosive player that the Bears, uh, you know, that what he was last year. Yeah. And and their offensive line is beat up. They lost that King Knicks. So now the entire focus is on Khalil Mack and the defense is and a shell of themselves. Playing like ass. Yeah. yeah he but, has been playing like it ever since that game in Oakland, because here's the deal. He, I mean, I understand there was a lot of emotion that went into him when he took into that game. And then he ran his fucking mouth and made a fool of himself. Right. By not even touching Derek Carr whatsoever. And he's only got five sacks for the season. Yeah, I mean, he's just he complete like he he put his foot in his mouth, and now he has no way to get it out. And now he's just now he's just like, oh well, gee, guys, man, that yeah. sucks. I mean, that's kind of the way he's playing. And I, dude, for one of the top defenders in the league, you're not anymore. No, uh, that that's well, that well. Teams. He I mean, may he's not good. be playing like it. Yeah, he may not be playing like it. He's still one of the top guys in the league, though. Here's he my thing. Do you know that at one point in this game, with about three minutes left in the first half, the Bears had all of one total offensive yard? At halftime, they had nine. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you're looking at it. You're looking at two weeks. You two weeks uh, of of football for the first halves. They walked out last week with nine points on the board and fifteen total yards, and this week it was only like a total of nine. Yeah. So what the fuck happens in the first half of these games where the teams can't the team can't get rolling at all, and then all of a sudden you get a sudden outburst in the second half? Because they almost caught up to him. It was nineteen to fourteen for a minute. It was. And then I mean, so I thought, oh shit, the Bears might be still back in this. And then, oh no, no, fuck you guys. 
and and the Bears kind of got screwed. Speaking, we're sitting here talking about uh, pass interferences. There was one point in this game where Zach Ertz completely face masked and pushed off a of Kyle Fuller. No call. Absolutely no call. So uh, they got fortunate with that. But the Bears offensively, this this team is just bad. And, yeah. you know, everyone's they're not calling for Ryan Pace's head quite yet. But they're definitely getting on them because they're, they're saying putting uh, the guillotine right now. Exactly. Because they you traded up one pick to get Trubisky. And the talk is we'll look at Mahomes and look at uh, the other one, uh, Deshaun Watson. And we could have had those guys. But you got Mitchell Trubisky. But I just think Trubisky is a guy whose confidence is down. And if that means you have to bench him to get his confidence back up, then you have to. But Matt Nagy has to do something. I'm not saying that Matt Nagy's job's on the line because I don't think it's that is that serious. But... The Bears aren't should not. We're talking about a team at the beginning of the year that was talked about being a la, I mean a Super Bowl contender, yeah. and they they're right now sitting in dead last of the NFC North. Yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I mean, just a, but now let me ask you a question because you kind of mentioned it. Had instead of Trubisky, had the Bears picked up Mahomes, I don't know if Mahomes would be the Mahomes he is under Andy Reid. I and I know I talk shit on Andy Reid all the time, but that's usually in his playoff choices. Uh, but uh, his playoff decision making and his clock management is terrible. But he made a they made a good call picking up Mahomes. Imagine if he's Chicago, we wouldn't even Pat Mahomes wouldn't even be a fucking household name. Everybody knows who that motherfucker is. That's a good point. All right, and let's not overlook what Philly did in this game. Wentz went for two thirty nine in the score. Jordan Howard again, 82 yards, another score. Zach Ertz, back to pretty much normal at this point, had 103 in a score. But Philly does walk away with an eight-point win, and it leaves a lot of Bears fans pissed off because they traded away a lot of their future and won't be able to get any uh, any real way to do anything. Yeah, it's over now. I mean, the, the trade deadline is done. All right, so there there was a minor upset this weekend. Uh, Indy and Pittsburgh. Final score, Pittsburgh 26, Indy 24. Uh, Last-minute miss by Adam Vinatieri in the fourth quarter. Kind of sealed the fucking deal for this one. Uh, Man, Adam Vinatieri just, just fucked shit up for the Colts. But you know what? Did you see that kick, though? It yeah. was Rank Finkel all over again, dude. Laces in. Oh my god, that was Oh uh, yeah, no, that's the second one that it's like so what it's always the guy that's holding the football. So what the fuck is that guy's problem? He's got one job. Yeah, you hold the goddamn football. Spin. Yeah. Catch, spin, boom. Yeah, that was definitely a laces in kick. Uh but give credit to the Colts on this one because they lost Jacoby Brissett uh midway through the second quarter with the ankle sprain because uh one of his linemen accidentally stepped on him, kind of a la Mahomes like. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to bring in um, Brian Hoyer. There you go, Brian Hoyer. And Brian Hoyer held his own for the most part, even though he gave up a 96 yard interception return for a touchdown to uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, 
Um, uh, you know, he really held his own and really got the Colts into position to really win that football game. And it's unfortunate. And and I feel bad for Adam Vinatieri because, you know, he's kind of caught some serious hell this year. I mean, he's missed some big kicks. He's missed some extra points. I really do believe that this could end up being his last year. But uh, Frank Wright has stuck to his kicker. He has no intentions of, of getting rid of him. And the Colts really played hard. It's just unfortunate they missed a field goal and the Steelers come away with the win. How old is Vinatieri? Uh, 47. Like 47. God man. damn, man. Like, he's the official. He's like, that guy's going to go, fucking retire and go right to the home, dude. But you know what, though? I'm going to uh, give Pittsburgh a little bit credit. Um, and this is, again, this is why I said earlier in the season, let's not sleep on the Steelers as of yet. Because since they've made that Fitzpatrick trade, I think they're like 3-1. and one. So... Yeah, that that defense did get a big boost when Fitzpatrick got there. And again, we all kind of clowned on it. Like your team's not going anywhere. We're going to trade for this corner or safety or whatever position he wants to play. But they're winning now. That was it. Was almost like they're saying that they had one gaping hole, and that Fitzpatrick trade. I mean, <laughs> granted, you gaping traded away hole. a first round pick, <laughs> but again. They're three and one now that he's been there, and they're starting to win games again. They're coming up in that division. There's a few games behind Baltimore, but they're in the running for that division again. Yeah. And the uh, and I mean, granted, Rudolph didn't have uh, fantastic numbers. Only threw for one ninety one in the score. Uh, the running game has been pretty fruitful for them though, because they have guys running the ball out of the backfield, split in time, and. The one one running back isn't running the ball. He's just catching the ball out of the backfield. So it's giving Rudolph that safety route. But overall, I mean, it was a good game. I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't a bad game. It was just an upset. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Trash upon trash. Miami, Florida. <laughs> Call this one. I call this one. I, I, I went for this one too on this one. All right. Jets travel down to Miami to the Dolphins. Final score Dolphins 26. Jesus Christ, the dumpster fire game. Jets 18. <laughs> you couldn't get any more of a dumpster fire in this game. Do the Dolphins have the Dolphins won a game? Yeah, yeah they, they beat the Jets. They just beat the Jets. Oh, they beat the Jets. Oh, I, I didn't realize that they won the game. Yeah, dude, they beat them 26 18. And, and you know what the funny part about this game? And 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 I had to turn on the fan the next day, bro. Did did it? Uh, well, Ricky, you're in New York. Did you by any chance uh, hear the uh, Evan and Joe show? Dude, Joe Beningo went on this ten minute tirade of uh, of uh, why Adam Gay should have been fired right after the game. Fired. Um, well, there was there, there wasn't only that. Um, there was also another monumental event that happened during Jet Talk, and it just so happens to be uh, a guy who's supposed to be leaving FAN by the end of the year, Mister Mike God. Francesa, broke wind during his analysis of the Jet game on Monday morning. When he farted, he farted live on the air. Fuck yeah. it, it, it got so much fucking heat that a guy of that because well, he farted. Well, well, he farted, but you know, you're a professional. You've been doing it for thirty fucking plus years. Hey man, sometimes you just gotta fart. But there's I, a reason why he retired the first time. Okay, because he can't have he can't hold his bowel movement. Yeah, goofball should have never came back. 
Wait, wait, wait. He retired because he farted? No, dude. He retired because oh. he <laughs> No, because he wasn't getting any ratings anymore. And now he's getting ratings again. <laughs> so, what, so what happened? Like, Please tell me a little bit more about this because this is great. All right. So he starts off his like little two-minute like review of the game. And he's talking about how uh, teams of this caliber shouldn't be playing that shitty. And then you hear like a slight like death of silence and here comes the fart and he just starts talking over the fart like you couldn't fucking disguise it i'm Woo! like wow this is real fucking shitty this is fucking awesome i've doing i've been there before buddy i know what you're talking i know what you're going through i i have the i have the youtube video i'll send it to you uh I, again though <laughs> the, the the jets are a team who what was it three weeks ago uh, stepped up and upset the Dallas Cowboys. You know yeah. the Dolphins are playing for a fucking draft pick. Well, and, since they won, now they're the, the 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 Bengals are at the top of the list. Yeah, yes. that, they're the only there. undefeated team, right? Winless yeah. team, yes. or winless team. That's what I meant. Uh, Fitzpatrick goes against his old team, throws two eighty-eight and three scores. I know he did was like one or two turnovers, but they don't list that on here. Uh, Le'Veon Bell still not a part of the Jets' offense, which again, find really kind of funny. What is the deal with that? Why aren't they playing him? No, they're playing him. They're just not putting him in the game plan. Which is kind of just uh, it, it's it's off the wall. You you paid so much money for this guy. Granted, Gase didn't want him, but yeah, you know you really should be getting some stuff in this uh, lovely stretch. He's like probably one of the best running backs in the NFL, and you're gonna like I didn't really want the guy. He really didn't. Adam Gase straight up said that he did not want Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell does not fit what exactly that they do. Uh, you know, what, lose. It, well, you know what though? Like, okay, first off, the biggest mistake the New York Jets ever did was make Adam Gase head coach. Adam yeah. Gase is not a head coach. Like, what resume did he do in Miami that made you say, you know what? Maybe we should have this guy running our team because Sam Darnold, no offense, is taking three steps back. Like under Todd Bowles, and Todd Bowles is not really that good of a head coach, but under Todd Bowles, freaking Sam Darnold had much better games than what you're seeing under Adam Gase. Adam Gase has given up on his team. This team sucks. It's not that good. And and my thing is, is like they um uh, 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 you know, Jamal Adams, you know, first off, that that's a good one right there. Freaking Jamal Adams came out and ran his stupid-ass mouth talking about, I'm upset that the Jets fielded calls because I'm a generational talent. Brother got burnt the entire game. How about that? That's why they was feeling calls for your no-defending ass. But that's okay. But then you go out, Le'Veon Bell can barely get it going because the offensive line is ass bro it is total a double s ass this team sucks it's garbage and and uh wasn't it melissa saying that a lot of people threatened to jump ship the whole uh, stadium was chen fire gates do adam gates should uh, if he's if he survives the year i would be shocked I would be absolutely shocked. Do the New York Jets are garbage? And you know what? I, I know I'm the one to talk, but sometimes when you think your team is bad, other teams have it worse. And I'm just glad that I'm not a guy that roots for the New York Jets. 
That's well, all I'm going to say. The only thing I'll mention before we jump to the next game is that a lot of Jet fans are already jumping ship. Even the oh, broadcasters yeah. on FAN, the late night guys, are like, I can't root for this team anymore. Like, I refuse to even take a T-shirt out of my drawer, a hat out of my closet, a jersey out of my closet. One DJ even went as far to say, I am burying my favorite New York Jets winter jacket either in my backyard or I'm going to put it in a box and throw it in the attic. That's how bad they're playing. So the Jets are just legitimately, that is the ultimate fire sale waiting to happen. And there could be a lot more changes because I don't think Jamal Adams will be here next starting next year. I'll be truly honest. He's a great, he, on the field, he's a great player, but he's got a big fucking mouth and he doesn't know how to shut the fuck up. That's all. Yeah, well, he definitely we'll, we'll, get to, definitely we'll get to some players not shutting the fuck up here in a minute. So we uh, had now Kansas City and Minnesota. I, I kind of did slate this one as a game of the week. I, I watched the entire game. It was a fantastic game. And I mean, to, to me, though, it's Minnesota coming in on, a, I believe, a four-game winning streak. Yeah. Cousins, Cook, everybody's starting to play well. They came back with Adam Thielen, who it was like who was out for two weeks with the uh, hamstring injury. This is another game where it said, "Oh yeah, Mahomes is probable." Thank fucking God, he didn't play again this week because he probably would die in this game. But yeah, I, I, yeah, go ahead. You had Kansas City winning twenty six to twenty three. Yeah, you're you're one hundred percent right, Rick. Uh, Mahomes that he played, I've never seen. A quarterback get hit and fumble so many times, and yet recover it. The recover the majority of his own fumbles. Uh, I'm pretty sure he fumbled at least four times. That's so. That's four sacks on Matt Moore. Pat Mahomes would be dead right now. I mean, might as well just bury him on the field, if not because, dead, crippled. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like he would be out for the season because they were going after him. They were going after more hard. Yeah, they now. Were. The thing, you know, the defense did, uh, Vikings defense, I think they did a great job in this game. Um, Kirk Cousins, I think, in the last four games that I've watched him play, I feel like he just kind of just, like, tried to phone it in on this one, and it cost him the game. Because they were, they he just really didn't... He didn't have a lot of completions. He threw pretty well, but it, his, his completions weren't great. Yeah, uh, he could have had. He could have done way better. He was just kind of just. I mean, it's like he was just like, yeah, well, fuck the Chiefs. They don't got my homes. So they'll just, we'll just kick, you know, kick shit around today, and uh, it didn't work out because you know K- Kansas City came in. Moore did a great job. Two hundred seventy-five yards for one touchdown. Uh, Damian Williams. Wow, that was a ninety-one yard. Can we also though, Can we also put in the fact that we do know now Tyreek Hill is probably, if not the fastest fucker on the planet. Yeah, football. and you know, do you know why that guy was helping him? Why he helped uh, Damian Williams into the end zone? Well, because I, I think it's kind of funny because they've they've had a long going bet of who's faster, and Williams was at the twenty, and Hill ran and caught up to him. Yeah, 
And that's why he was patting him on the back. He's like, no, bro, I'm faster. He, they, they actually wrote him down as running 22.6 miles an hour. And that was with Williams having a five-yard lead. Yeah. Which Caught is up nuts. And, and honestly, here I, I see that Kansas City still still offensively working well in, in a lot yeah. of ways. Because Hill, without Mahomes, went for 140 in a score. Yeah. So they could still lean on Hill without Mahomes being there. Agreed. And, the, and Matt Moore is definitely uh, is definitely. I think he's a great backup quarterback. They really do have a decent backup quarterback. I never really heard of the guy before this, but I, you know what, guy can play. I mean, I don't want to toot the Chiefs' horns with there too much, but you know, I enjoyed that game. It was a really good. It was back and forth, and it came to Butker. Kicking that last that last three second uh, field goal to win the game. It was a great game, fantastic. I, I thought both teams played well. Well, I say that, but the Chiefs' defense is terrible, and and Cousins, who has an amazing offense, made them look fantastic. So I think Kirk, I think Kirk Cousins really phoned it in on this one. Um, I totally thought the Vikings were going to win, but. They didn't. So uh, hats off to the Chiefs. They played a great game. Well, also at the uh, at some point in this game, they ended up do uh, losing uh, Thielen again. He re-injured the hammy, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks. But I mean, it's just I mean, it's part of the game. You can't really, uh, you know, you know injuries are going to happen. And I think they kind of rushed him back a little bit. Yeah, but, that and the, the the Chiefs were all over Stephon Diggs. Yeah, he only had one catch for four yards the entire game. Yeah, so they did. The Chiefs defense actually did step up a little bit, but uh, Minnesota's got another big game coming up. I believe it's Sunday night against the the, the Cowboys, so it should be interesting to really see. Absolutely, Carolina and Tennessee. Final score: Carolina thirty, Tennessee twenty. Tannehill lit it up again for three hundred and thirty-one yards. Uh, Derrick Henry had some pretty good runs in this game. McCaffrey, another MVP-type performance, I could say. Uh, 146 and two scores on the ground. And I I hate to say it, I think Kyle Allen's really kind of doing the job in Carolina, which is uh, is the reason why probably Carolina may be just looking to say, hey, you know what, Cam, it's been nice. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I mean, why are you going to bench your – why are you going to bench – the guy's been winning. I mean, they're five and three. When did uh? When did uh? I think uh, I think he's he five and one as a starter. They were zero and two when when uh Cam went down. So so, so they so so they've so, lost one game since since uh, Kyle Allen's been playing, right? That was last week against the Forty Niners. Okay, uh, yeah. Keep, why would you? Of course, you would put uh Newton on the IR. The guys, the guys throwing hot fire, keep him going. I mean, twenty, thirty, beating uh, the Titans by ten points, uh, and it's the Titans, but they're still four and five. I mean, they were four and four. They're a five hundred team. They're not bad. They're not terrible. Um, and I mean, Tannehill. I mean, look at it, three hundred thirty-one yards. Holy shit! The guys doing fantastic, better than Mariota. So, I mean. I say uh, Cam Newton probably does not have a job after this. If 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 the Panthers somehow make it to the playoffs, 
or they get they have a, at least a winning season, uh, which they already have. I do not think Cam Newton has a job in Carolina anymore. Nick, what do you think about the, the fact now that, uh, that you're getting more offensive production out of Tannehill than you are Mariota, who is obviously in the last year of his rookie deal, uh, could be on the, the edge of the free agent market. We talked about uh, Mariota probably re-signing with this team and getting a, a, a big deal. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think at this point, I think this is the reason why they traded for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was actually is actually a really good quarterback. I think he got a raw deal down in uh, Miami. And, Absolutely, I mean, he and I in think, Miami. Yeah, and I and I think with with uh, with uh, 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 Mike Vrabel, I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall. Like, look, we'll give Mariota a chance, but we got we got a capable quarterback behind us that we can work with. And here's Ryan Tannehill, and he's he's what like I think like two and one as a starter since taking over from Mariota. So I think I think at the end of the day, they they roll with with Tannehill from here on out, and they they part ways with Mariota. And 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 I think good luck to Marcus Mariota. I think he might sign somewhere as a backup. But the thing is, you know, he thrived in. Oregon with that Chip Kelly-like offense, but I never mm-hmm. saw Marcus Mariota as a pocket-like passer. So unless he can find someone that can that that can get an offense that surrounds him, kind of like what's going on with the uh, Baltimore Ravens, we'll get in that later. Uh, Marcus Mariota is not a pocket passer. Ryan Tannehill is, and I think that's why he fits in the Tennessee offense. Well, speaking of uh, first-time starters, we had Buffalo and Washington up in Dildoville. Yes, that's Buffalo, New York, because they like to throw dildos <laughs> on the field. Dwayne Haskins had his start against the Buffalo defense. Uh, first <laughs> score, Buffalo 24, Redskins 9. I, I'll, I'll personally tell you, I watched bits and pieces of this game on Red Zone, so I really couldn't tell you what the outcome of Haskins' day was overall. But I, I, to me, though, that this was more of a, a running game uh, than anything really passing at all. AP went over went over 100 yards again for the season. Uh, Devin Singletary, 95 yards and a score. But the quarterback numbers really just don't uh, – Say very much to me. At no, they really say don't. that correctly. Adrian Peterson had 108 yards in the first half. I don't think he even played, or he barely got anything in the second half. All no. the yards came in the first half, so that's how he kind of was, how good he was in the first half. And Buffalo in the second half just made serious adjustments on AP and made Dwayne Haskins beat him, and that obviously is going to spell disaster for the Washington Redskins because you know Buffalo defensively was going to come in this game after they got embarrassed last week by Philadelphia and they did just that they were they were really good last week I mean uh yeah yesterday or on a uh, Sunday was Buffalo defensively to get Jesus back Jesus Christ Nick figure out which day it is for the love of God last week <laughs> Sunday yesterday <laughs> that, that, that. it's fucking Tuesday man <laughs> <laughs> but can we can we kind of coin a little bit of thing of uh an issue here it's been kind of ongoing now obviously Devin Singletary rushed for 95 yards that's all fine and great uh Brown had 72 six yards receiving no scores but for a Buffalo Bills team you can understand their defense is great why is their offense not clicking with all of those free agent signings that they had I don't know the thing is the thing is 
some of it's Josh Allen, and then just and then a lot of it is the Bills really don't have a number one receiver. Like Cole Beasley is good, John Brown is good. You know they traded Zay Jones. Like the if the Buffalo Bills had like a number one wide receiver, I think the numbers would be much better. But you're really Josh Allen is really just running with a bunch of second and third, you know, uh, second and, and slot guys that would be on most teams. So um, I think Josh Allen's really just working with what he has. And in the same breath too, you got to remember this is Josh Allen's second year, and I still think that there are some mechanics that he needs to work on, but. At the end of the day, I still think Josh Allen's going to be a good quarterback. And this, excuse me, this team's going to have to lean on the run game until he gets developed. But I think that's their problem. Is there's really no big play wide receivers or number one that Josh Allen can trust. All right, so now we're going to move into. I believe these are the four o'clock games. Yes, there were two uh, of them. Tampa Bay, Seattle. This was a good game. I, it was I, a very I, good game. I and I believe my pick for the week went off correctly uh, when I split the pick on this. Uh, Seattle wins forty to thirty four. Uh, the game was tied at thirty four. Uh, game went into overtime. I have to say, I think this is probably one of the better offensive games I've seen for the week. I mean, they put up seventy four points, but. Again, the question marks for Seattle's defense giving up 34 and Tampa Bay's secondary again just got torn to shit. Yeah, and where okay, so where it really went downhill was when Carlton Davis the 3rd went down very early with a hip injury. And when he went down they brought in the rookie Jamel Dean and Russell Wilson tore him up the entire game. And the guy that pisses me off the worst on all this was Todd Bowles. Because when we played zone, everything was cool. But then he wants to be aggressive and play blitz. And now you have Jamel Dean going against Tyler Lockett, who had a huge game, and he's not getting any help. So whenever they would put Jamel Dean on DK Metcalf, like in the the, the catch that kind of set up the game winning catch, no help. Tyler Lockett all game on Jamel with Jamel Dean on him, no help. And Todd Bowles was pissing me clean off when we would play blitz and man to man coverage. And Jamel Dean was getting beat. So we missed Carlton Davis the third, but that's how that's how you know that Russell Wilson is definitely a top-tier quarterback when he sees that and just picks on it and it just says, well, I guess their defensive coordinator is too damn stupid to get this man some help, so I'm just going to pick on him all day and see how it works. But here's here's where if Tampa Bay was to take anything out of this game, it's definitely in the performance of number three of Jameis. Jameis was on point for 98% of this game. He yeah. was making the right reads. He was making the right decisions. He technically, well, I know he fumbled the football, but it wasn't necessarily on him. He threw no picks, and he kept Tampa Bay in the game. And and to what you just said, Ricky, we know that Seattle's secondary is very suspect, and they tore it up. Mike Evans 
Evans had like 14 catches or some crazy like that for 180 yards and a touchdown. Chris Godwin was in it. And the Buccaneers technically would have won this game if stupid, dumb, idiot ass Damar Dotson didn't get busted for a hold on a quarterback sneak that would have led to a touchdown. But instead, we had to settle for a field goal. And then Matt Gay who I'll give him I'll give him a pass cuz he played really well since the uh since the debacle against the New York Giants missed a field goal at the end of the first half and that kind of would have been a deal breaker for the Bucks but I got to give the Bucks credit because you know they looked like ass last week but this week they really fought hard but the young secondary got beat by a guy who's a top tier quarterback and potentially leader uh, of the MVP race. But uh, I believe as through week nine, he's the, he's ranked number one in the NFL right now. Yeah, as, as far as NFL.com. Yeah, he's got to be. So uh, kudos to the Seattle Seahawks for winning. But I give my team all the credit in the world. They really play hard and had many chances to win the game. They just fell short. All right. Uh, Detroit and Oakland. Obviously, uh, this game here was in uh, was in Oakland. Finally. Fine. What, what, where was it? Oakland. It was in Oakland? Yes. Yeah. Fucking finally, after two months, we finally get to play at home. And let me tell you, this, the field looked fantastic because it usually I, looks like shit because of basketball, baseball season. But we haven't been there in two months, so it was fucking immaculate. Uh, great fucking game. Close game. Uh, Matt Stafford has played is playing his best season he's ever played this year played his best game he ever played this year 406 yards three touchdowns the guy was on fire granted oakland's got a lot of they've got a lot of holes in their secondary that they've got to figure out um we lost a few key players or we're missing a few key players in that game trent brown uh and rodney hudson which I think the kid's name is Alan Sharp. I wanted to stab him in the neck with a knife <laughs> halfway through this game. Well, and even into the third quarter, because the guy like it's like you're playing professional football, fucko. I mean, granted, he was a tackle and he had to learn a new position. So I'll give him that. He's snapping the ball now. Uh, just just fucking just snapping grounders in a shotgun setting. Carr almost got sacked. Well, he got sacked one time, but th- this this play I'm talking about, he almost got sacked, uh, was able to maneuver, get out of it, and then throw the ball away in time. Didn't lose any yard. We lost it down. Didn't lose any yardage, though. Still fantastic. And that's where I'm, my next person that I'm going to talk to. Yeah, it doesn't look like he threw for three or two, 289, two touchdowns. I am tired of anybody saying that Derek Carr is not the number one answer for the Oakland Raiders. Mm. He is a fantastic quarterback. If you want to talk about his attempts, no, he's a smart, calculated player. And he has really brought in, bought into this John Gruden offense. And they are clicking together. At the first, beginning of the season, people were like, well, I don't know if they're really going to they're really gonna be a good match. No, I think these guys are both, they have, they have, they're in sync with each other now. Um, uh, no interceptions this game. He was sacked one time, uh, but, you know, we had a couple young guys. You know, we were missing a couple key players on our offensive line. But for the most part, 
it wasn't anything severe. He played. He played a hell of a game. Uh, Josh Jacobs can't talk enough about that guy. Uh, 120 yards, two touchdowns. He's passed. I'm pretty sure as a rookie in going into Week Nine, he has passed everybody. Every like Marcus Allen. Uh, and so I think there's one other guy that played in like the sixties, but it wasn't, it was, I know he passed Bo Jackson a while back, but so far he's passing everybody in his rookie season, every game, uh, fantastic player. Thank you. Khalil Mack for sucking it up in Chicago. We've got this guy. Um, I don't know, man, you <laughs> The Lions did a fantastic job in this game. I was I was I was really worried, but then when it came down to it, I think Carr and the Raiders they pulled it out. And then in the last few drives, the Raiders defense like woke up and were like, "Oh yeah, guys, we got to actually try to win this fucking game because it was a monumental win. We had to win this game to even have a hope at the playoffs." So I, you know, I thought the Raiders came out and, and took care of business. Well, the one main thing is that Detroit's uh, getting away from the running game because, yeah. you know, without on Johnson back there, who's now hurt for the uh, second consecutive season. He got hurt last year. He's hurt again this year. They really have no running game, but their passing yeah, game McKissick is just McKissick didn't great. do great. No, their passing game is awesome. Galladay, woo, hell of a player. But uh, Hell of a player. Final score, 31-24. And uh, we roll to uh, another game, which... What the fuck happened here? Well, here's the funny thing is is that a lot of the betting line, and me and Nick discussed this on Friday, the betting line for this game was ridiculous. Yeah. This was a double-digit double digit, uh, betting line. And I was we, we were really both leery on it. It's the Packers visiting those homeless Chargers. Chargers went 26-11. to 11. The the Packers looked very pedestrian in this game. That's all I have to say. They looked from what, very pedestrian. Yeah, go ahead. From what I was watching, like when I would just like, you know, they would show little clips during the Raiders, uh, the Raiders Lions game. That's kind of what I thought. I was like, who the fuck wore the like beat up the team and put their uniforms on? Because Rogers drew like garbage. I mean, 161 yards for Aaron Rodgers? Are you fucking kidding me? And let's not let's not say this. <coughs> Excuse me. Philip Rivers throwing 294 yards. Still didn't throw a touchdown, but you know it's Philip Rivers. But seriously, where is the? How does this? Any of this make sense? I, I'm wait, I'm, wait, I'm looking at the expression on Nick's face, and I'm waiting for him to tell me uh, his outtake on this game because we talked a lot of trash after this game was over. You don't. I mean, at the end of the day, dude, the 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 worries that I had about Green Bay kind of came true. Dude, that secondary got smoked the majority of this this uh, this game. They they they. I I don't know if they forgot that they were in Los Angeles to play the Chargers. But yeah, dude, at one point they were getting shut out this entire game. What I don't think they scored till the fourth quarter, maybe. Um, it did, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, do they look bad? And I think like this is where I think Green Bay screws up because you know Minnesota just lost, and now you have the ability to go out and put yourself a nice two game cushion, knowing that you have to go to Minnesota and play them. Yeah, and you find a way to lose to the whack dumbass Los Angeles Chargers that play in a soccer field. 
you know what I'm saying, dude? That's inexcusable. So I think they kind of dropped the ball on that one. Uh, yeah, Green Bay looked pedestrian, like you guys said. Uh, we'll see what they do, what they do next week. But they're gonna have to, they're they're gonna have to play much better. And another, you know, for what it's worth, too, you know. Um, the weapons for Aaron Rodgers aren't necessarily the same like they have been in the past. Like I know yeah. Aaron Jones is a monster, but Aaron Jones only really rushed for 30 yards in this game, and I would know because I have him one of my fantasy squads, and I'm like, hey, yo, Aaron Rodgers, I mean uh, uh, Aaron Jones, like do something, bro. Like, can you run it between the tackles? Like, can you can can you get like five to ten yards, please? Can you find your way in the end zone, please? But it's it like, here, cost- buddy, I got you these thirty yards for you. Yeah, dude, but it didn't. That's cost- I could do. Yeah, he was like, he was like, hey, I'm sorry, bro, but here's here's three points for you, sorry ass. So anyway, um, I thought I thought if there was one big loser in this, uh, this entire week, I thought Green Bay was it to try oh, yeah. and. Uh, you know, could stay compete with the Niners who are undefeated, maybe for that number one spot, and stay and get you a two game cushion in the North, and they failed on both. So, oh, uh, absolutely. But this, I think, it goes about. I think I even said it on Sunday. This goes to be. This goes to prove the thing about what I had my view on the San Diego, Los Angeles, London Chargers. Um. This team only exists to fuck up your season. That's the only reason. I mean, they're four and five. They were three and four. Or they were they were three and five before this game started. Right. <clears throat> Against a seven and one team. In what world does it make sense that they win this? They start blowing out the Green Bay Packers. Makes no fucking sense. But then somehow, Philip Rivers gets a. Toast almost three hundred for three hundred yards. Yeah, yeah, dude. Jair Alexander was getting beat. I yeah. saw one play when they were. I guess like San. I just call him San Diego. L.A. was on like the five yard line, and you would have swore up and down they were going to run the football and they play action. And Mike Williams just absolutely beat Jair Alexander. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, dude, you just got duped by one of the easiest. <laughs> call plays in NFL history. Nice job, genius. Well, and I think they w- and they maybe went into this game like, oh, we're playing the Chargers, which is the big mistake to do when you're going to play the Chargers. Right. Because that's all they're good at is fucking ego and you're like, oh, we're just going to kick the shit out of these guys real quick. And then they end up stomping the shit out of you because you're not really playing that hard. And I think that's what like I agree with Ricky. They look really pedestrian. Like they, they phoned it in and they're like, oh, we'll, we, we'll take these guys in no time. Uh, well, Philip Rivers is a competitor. And yeah. even though as, as over or as overrated as I think he is, the dude can still ball when he wants to. So, yeah, I think that I think they really, I think they really, uh, they really underestimated the team that they had to go in and play. Right. Well, speaking of teams that were uh, highly spectated to be a playoff team or have a uh, fairly decent chance at a season, let's take the turds to the Super Bowl. Cleveland goes and visits Denver. Final score: Denver twenty-four, Cleveland nineteen. Cleveland is fucking fall is falling to two and six. They this were a, a five hundred team last year, weren't they? Yes, they were. Did they get to the actual playoffs? No, no. Okay, <coughs> but this Sorry. was a lot of the a lot of the 
preseason hype, I could say. Uh, I know quite a few of us were, were pretty high on them to do something great because they had added a lot of great pieces. Yeah. But at this point, I, I mean, they played like garbage. They did. Mayfield hasn't played real well all year. He's not getting the ball to the receivers when they're open. And one of the key things that I did see uh, after the game was over, that there was a possibility that they could have thrown out both Beckham and Landry after halftime due to a choice of equipment that they wore to start the game. And the NFL came down hard on them by saying, hey, if you don't change your cleats and uh, something else, we're going to legitimately get you ejected from the game, which I think is a lot of garbage. What's wrong with the cleats? Isn't Odell Beckham known for his cleats, though? Or his shoes? Uh, or is it the shoes or is it the actual cleats? Beckham was wearing Joker style uh, yeah, he's been wearing those for like three years. And then uh, Landry was wearing some type of uh, a shinier metallic cleat. And the NFL was like, no, we didn't approve that. So if you don't change those, you guys can sit in the second half. See, I don't know uh, if I agree no with that, though, because Odell, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. Odell Beckham's been wearing those Joker cleats for a minute. I'm sure he has because... Well, the way the way Ricky described that, I thought he was going to be talking about that uh, that visor issue because that almost got Odell Beckham in trouble in that game against the Jets, where he had to come out on a play because they said his visor was too dark, or I don't remember what it was. Uh, it wasn't approved. So Odell Beckham has been kind of flirting with the equipment issues. First, it was the visor, then it was the watch, and now it's the cleats. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, overall. Obviously, Flacco was put on the IR after last week's game. I still yeah, think it's a lot of bullshit because of a, a, ne- a supposed neck injury. Um, no, it's a like, no, it's a you suck. So we're gonna make something up. You hurt your neck. But Brandon Allen actually did have a great game. One ninety three two that scores. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Philip uh, Philip Lindsay had 92 yards rushing. Noah Finn actually had his best game as a pro in this. Uh, 115 mm-hmm. yards and a score. And one of those that that score was on like a big 65 yard play, and where the Cleveland Browns just forgot how to tackle somebody. Mm-hmm. That was the worst part about it, dude. You know what frustrates me about the Browns is the same thing that frustrates me about the Jets. Dude, Freddie Kitchens is not a head coach. Dude, good coaching can take teams far, can take them far if the talent is there. And Baker Mayfield, you know, you see him in every commercial known to man, but he's everywhere but on the football field. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely and, true. And, and, and my problem with, with Baker Mayfield is that you talked all that smack last year and you, 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 throw the gesture towards Hugh Jackson when they beat Cincinnati last year. And how much do you miss Hugh Jackson right now? Because I bet you Hugh Jackson would have come up with a much better game plan for you to exploit your talents a whole lot better than what's going on right now. Dude, the Cleveland Browns are, I don't want to say that they're a joke, but I bet you Odell Beckham is sitting there like, damn, I wish I could have stayed in New York with Daniel Jones. I bet you he would have much better success with Dan- with Danny Dimes than he would be with Baker Mayfield right now. Maybe Actually, he's wearing those cleats for a reason as an inside joke. 
actually, I got to tell you though, me and Alex, when we kind of finished off Arch Rivals last year, were kind of really kind of questioning the fact why didn't they keep Greg Williams, who took over when the coach got fired, and he got them on this run. So, and, and, and you know what? Maybe it is a catch-22. Williams was meant to leave New York and be fucking shitty in, on the Jets as their defensive coordinator. And Kitchens is like the, the filler because I guarantee we will tell you, he may, he may be like Gase. He may be a one-and-done. Yeah. yeah. He may yeah. be a one-and-done. Yep. But Cleveland played like shit. I give Denver a lot of credit because they played a, a fairly clean, decent game. Yeah, but you know. But you want to really know what team can what team the uh, Cleveland Browns can thank for them being as bad as they are? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because Bruce Arians was slated to go to Cleveland. He said straight up, I want to coach the Cleveland Browns. But somehow, in some way, Jason Light came and convinced him to come to Tampa instead of <laughs> Cleveland. And I bet you the Browns was like, oh, snap, what do we do now? Because they had all their eggs in the, oh, we finna get uh, Bruce Arians and bring in that staff, and it just didn't happen. So I wouldn't be shocked that this was like a plan B, but it was probably the worst plan B they could think of. Well, Cleveland actually does get a boost next week because Kareem Hunt's going to be back playing. He served his eight-game suspension. Uh-oh. Oh yeah, this is after the eight so, games. Yeah, so he'll he'll be back. So it'll be interesting. They might to see have that. a running game ba- again. All right, Sunday night football: Pats at Ravens. Final score: Let's Ravens thirty-seven, Patriots twenty. I knew going into this game right off that they had not seen a running quarterback as talented. I'm not saying better than because Kareem Jack, uh, Lamar Jackson is is a very talented quarterback. Okay. Um, besides week one, though, again he was a 50-50 throughout the season till this game. Patriots have not seen a running quarterback since Mahomes last year. First off. Uh, the year that they played the 49ers where Kaepernick was the quarterback, they had Belichick had issues with that quarterback, uh, that game as well. So you knew the Patriots were going to stumble at some point. This was the point. Uh, a few key parts of this game that I did see. Uh, field goal attempt in the first quarter. Team goes off sides. That goes from three points to seven points. That's pretty much uh, the, the trend of the way the game was going. Defense had really no had it did have a lot of shutdown at some points, but not consistent on shutdown. <laughs> Offensive line again, huge question mark for the Pats. Newhouse is not a starting left tackle. I'm sorry, when you cannot fucking block consistently in that spot, dude, gotta go. Can't wait for Isaiah Wynn to come back, and he won't be back until after the bye week, and I believe that's against Dallas. So, I, no, I'm sorry, Philly. I think Philly's first. But overall, I mean, offensively, I think Brady's found a new target with, with Sanu because he was very reliable. Edelman had a very, very bad fumble, who's usually pretty well-handed. And I got to tell you, the running game for the, the Ravens was the big key. Yeah. That, that run option that they have set up there, that is some hard-nosed football. It's bulldozer football, and if the Patriots see them in the playoffs, because right now it's technically uh, the Patriots in the number one spot and the Ravens in the number two spot in the AFC, 
should make for a very, very interesting <laughs> playoff game. Hey, very I true. I have a question. I know it's tough. I know it's tough to have to suffer for one team losing. I want to know what it's like to have two teams lose in the same way. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell her that you just said that, so she'll comment. In the, I want to uh, know. She, she can be more than. I'm pretty sure she's listening. She can be more than happy to go ahead. And I've been I've been I've been saving this bullet in the gun for a minute now. I'm just trying to figure out what it's like to have two teams lose in the same week. Like it's it's one thing if you have like two teams lose, like you know. Oh, they played hard, but I'm talking like on underachieving status. There was one play where I knew that the New England Patriots were in trouble. What was the one play where Lamar Jackson goes back to pass, steps up, ducks, goes to the right, stops, jukes, turns around, and then runs a t- the, uh, by, uh, around the whole defensive the offensive fourth, line. That was the and fourth quarter. And got into the end zone and like, goes out at the it, it was the fourth at quarter, the- and it was like fucking playing every version of Madden with about 50 stick moves. It was just unbelievable that they had to contain it, and he still broke it. Yep. But... And- as a, as again, as an analyst, you see the speed that Lamar Jackson has, and no matter how much tape you watch, you cannot get the real game experience of seeing how fast he is until you get to the field. Right. Because I to even tell you, if I mean, it's really kind of a weird way to say the matchup, but God forbid if Tyreek Hill ever played defense, he probably be the only one that would be able to spy Lamar Jackson. I'm not even joking, because the two of them are lightning fucking quick. Right. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. No, man. Uh, I don't want to say New England came off came off flat footed, but they they definitely you're right. They're def they definitely struggled with that that trip option. Yeah. And then and then Lamar Jackson was just making the the key throws, and they didn't know who to contain, and it was just confusing for them. So I mean, it was a great game plan. It worked. It was a huge confidence win for um for uh, Baltimore. Uh, for Baltimore. But let me say this though, because I think I don't know if this comment was made by you, Ricky, or somebody. I am never a fan of when people say they needed to lose this game or my team needs to lose a game. I I hate that shit with a passion. I hear it all the time in college. Get it out of their system. When they're like, when people are like, oh, uh, a team that goes 32-0 and 0 and goes into the tournament and goes to the Elite Eight and they lose. And it's like, well, they should have lost the game. For what? Because once you get to the playoffs and you're one and done, if you all you know how to win do is win, why would you want to lose a game so you know what the taste of losing is if you want to win? That doesn't make sense. I would want my team to go 17, 16, and 0, and then go 20 some and 0. That's like if that's like if 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 you're a Patriots fan, the year that they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl and they went what well, was like 19 and 0, whatever it was, and then you lose the Super Bowl and you're like, oh, if you would have just lost the game, you know, taste like that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my life. You never want your team to lose a game so they understand what losing is like. That's dumb as hell. I hate and, and I hear it all the time, and it drives me nuts. You know what though? I like I I went into this game knowing the fact that the stretch is gonna the, the next stretch of five games for them are not gonna be easy. 
And I also went on record saying earlier, as much as I'd love to see them do a perfect season, I know it's not going to happen. But you know what? I'm not pissed off at the loss, as as many people as are going to be saying, oh, yeah, well, you should have beat them. You should have came in better prepared. The Ravens had two weeks to prepare for this game, first off. Facts. Facts. New England's coming in to what I can consider basically a short week. Okay? That was the second part. Uh, This game here, again, you lose, fine. But it is an eye-opener. It is an awakener to show, you know what, the caliber of the first eight teams that you played are not going to be the caliber of the stretch that you have the next six games. So, again, I'm not mad at it. I'm, am I pissed off about it? No. But you know what? Now they're going to go into a bye week, and they're going to get more starters back because of the bye week. They're all eligible to come off of the IR, two players. So knowing anything, you're going to get an offensive lineman back, and you're going to get another weapon for Brady to throw to. You know what? It, it, yes, it is an eye-opener. I'm not going to lie. It's an eye-opener, but teams like this, especially because you know the 49ers are going to have a tough game coming up this week too in Seattle. Listen, you need caliber of teams to show you what you're doing wrong, and that's what's going to end up happening. When they come back to play Philly the next week after that, they learn from the loss, they move on, they keep playing games. That's it. Can't really be. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm a little upset, but not totally upset that they lost a perfect season. Mm-hmm. Just the way I look at it. Ending it All off. Right. Wait a minute, Melissa. Who take out whose kneecaps? Lamar's. No, I wouldn't have never have said that. No, that's what she just said. Yeah, I know. Oh, but she she also picks teams by color. That is true. She also, has, and she also has two teams that underachieve. I'm just trying to figure out what that feeling is like. That's all I want to know. <laughs> what did I say? Two, <laughs> you have one team that's 7-1, one team that's 8-0, and both look like absolute shit. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, like how do you, how do you deal with, like, such underachievement? You know, because, I mean, I understand, like, one team, but I, I, I don't understand the two teams. So I'm just I'm just trying to get a feel. It's all brothers just want us to know. Sorry, right. I know I'm going to get a little bit of feedback on what I'm going to say, whether it's in the chat or from you guys. Dallas went to MetLife last night. The last time they were there, they lost to the Jets. This time they beat the Giants 37 to 18. And the score really doesn't tell the story for this game. Okay. Dallas came out extremely flat in the beginning. True extremely flat the first play from scrimmage Dak Prescott throws a pick six that's insane the Giants the Giants have been compared the Giants have been compared in my opinion to a bunch of cripples on the field pretty much Yep. they're they're just horrible and the Giants were in this game up till about the third quarter I believe yep but Dallas is not playing up to the elite standards, and that's comparison of the f- the top four teams in the NFC at this point. I- I'm sorry. Maybe that money thing is still lingering over Dak's head, but he's not showing it at this point. He he's beats she, he beats shitty teams, so not necessarily because he didn't beat the Jets, but for the most part, as I said this entire season, 
The Cowboys cannot beat anybody that's worth the shit. And and then apparently they can't beat the Jets either because, goddamn, they were still. I mean, yeah, I watched part of this game and I was like, oh, God, this is just terrible. And they were just getting, like, just getting their asses handed to them by the Giants. Like, these guys fucking suck. How are they five and three? Oh, wait, they play in the shittiest conference in the NFL. My mistake. So, I mean, they have a great record. God, they've got a great record. And that's why all their fans are just going to be like, oh, we didn't. I hate, dude, I hate Cowboys fans so much. I don't know if anybody knows. Sorry. Sorry if any Cowboys fans are listening, all four of you. Uh, But, like, just the, we didn't, boys. No, you're not. You played the, you beat the Dolphins. Fucking awesome. Beat the Giants. Man, you guys are cool. Nick, like, can, can, Nick, can we agree that they're not playing to the elite status that they were uh, this, they were slated at? Um, they have been struggling for the most part, but again, the more they win, the more Jason Garrett continues to keep his job. And I, I think Jason Garrett is kind of the the reason why this team is where it's at. It should be so much better. I know they didn't have Leighton Vander Esch uh, in that game yesterday. But yeah, no, offensively, they they looked flat. But that's again, that's because for whatever reason, the Dallas Cowboys keep trying to want to put Dak on the elite status first. And that's not who the Cowboys are. The Cowboys with that offensive line with Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott, it needs to be Zeke first, then Dak. You have to run Zeke to set up Dak. You can't set up Dak to want to run Zeke. That's not how it goes. So when your offensive game plan is not that great, then you're going to get these results. So I kind of feel bad, you know, to a little bit for Dak. But, dude, one of those interceptions that he threw, the one that went straight to the linebacker, um, I was like, dude, you really didn't see that guy literally standing right there when you threw the football? So, yeah, no, they came out extra flat in that first half and I don't know what Garrett said and what Kellen Moore said to the offense and what uh what was said to the defense but they they were it was a tale of two halves so um hopefully Dallas because what you said Dallas plays Minnesota this Sunday night so I, I think that's gonna be an interesting game um but yeah, Dallas has a lot of work to do, especially if Philadelphia is going to keep winning games, um, even after they beat the brakes off them um, about a week or so ago. So, um, yeah, I, I can agree to an extent that that Dallas is not playing to the elite status. But once they get the game plan to where it's supposed to be, they can get back to elite status. All right. So the one thing I I want to just touch on a little bit on this game here is is that in my opinion again opinions are like assholes and i am an asshole um i really will say dallas really could have lost this game yeah the giants if the giants were better in the red zone and i believe they had five opportunities in the red zone that they ended up taking three points for instead of getting seven Cowboys would have been in huge trouble if the Giants somehow would have capitalized, I'd say, at least on two or three of the red zone trips. Because uh, there were drives where Evan Ingram was open, Gallman was open, and Daniel Jones just didn't see them. 
but they made trips and they really just didn't take advantage of them. I mean, Cowboys get a 19 point win, but you turn some of those chances around and you're a better you're a better offensive team and you're putting up more points, but god, that's just embarrassing to be honest. It really yeah. is. But the Giants didn't have chances. I'll defend them on that point. Otherwise, they're, 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 the team still sucks. Booty. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> All right. Thursday. If, well, if the playoffs pl- started today, uh, I'm going to read this off as it goes through here. AFC, it would be Colts versus Texans as one matchup. Buffalo versus Kansas City with Baltimore and the two seed and Patriots in the one seed. NFC would be Vikings and Packers for the wild card game. Seahawks and Cowboys for the other game with New Orleans and San Francisco, the first round buys. That would be a very, very interesting fucking playoff weekend. And I probably would actually sit there and watch all of it. Well, we're going to have to. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) All right. Thursday night is Chargers at Oakland. So they they really don't have to. They don't have to just take a bus, right? Like you don't have to fly from where they're playing. Dude, Oakland is pretty far away from L.A. So maybe it's like six hours. It's like six hours. I'll let them take a bus. All right. It is L.A. Chargers minus one. What? Chargers minus one going into Oakland. It's a division game. So this pretty much is, I believe, for second place in the division. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, Chargers are coming in at four and five. Raiders are coming in at four and four. Yeah. Well, in the division, though. I don't think the Chargers have beat anybody in the division. Now, let's see here. We'll have to look at standings. But it is a one. I know Raiders are in second place. That's what I know. Yeah, it's a one It's a one point difference at Vegas, and the line has opened and stayed consistent since Sunday night. Wow. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Vegas is smoking crack. I don't know where to go with. I mean, I'm going to go Raiders, obviously, with the points because. Well, it just, you know, it that's my eight, team. It would be a point, not points. Yeah, with the point. Uh, we're at home. Yeah, Raiders are at home. So, I mean, yeah, we're at home and. See what does it say? Division wins here. Chargers have only won one. They've only played one divisional game. They're zero one. Raiders are one and one. One. So still, I think even if they, yeah, that we'd tie for second if they beat us. But um, I'm really happy that they won this weekend. Uh, but fuck the Chargers, and you're going into Oakland. Uh, it, dude, the I guarantee you that twenty or forty percent of the reason we won was because of the fa- the crowd. Uh, I don't see I don't see the Chargers. Well, I don't see Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers ha- oh, has a problem playing against the Raiders, though, uh, because you know we call the Charger Stadium uh, 
the the call the Colise the Southern Coliseum. So you know it's it's like a it's just like another home game does because more of our fans show up to their games uh, when they when we play them. So I'm gonna go ahead and say Oakland with with the point. What yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Oakland with the point as well. What's what's the NFL had to say? Um, I'm actually looking at this uh, right here, and the Chargers have won the last three meetings against the Raiders. There's no way they swept us last year. Uh, November 11th, they they, they sure won did six. Well, holy shit! October 7th, twenty. Oh yeah, times. that was the first year with Gruden. Yeah. Oh, I'm going with the Chargers. Well, fuck you. I'm going with the Chargers, <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll even make a little bet with you, Alex. Okay, what are you if, gonna take the, you if gonna, the you Raiders win, the if the Raiders win, I will wear my fucking powder blue Chargers jersey on fucking. Good, good, dude. I'll take that bet. You know, I I don't have another. I don't have another. I'll wear my. If, I, I, either way, I have a jersey of either team, so I will sport that jersey Friday night. All right, that sounds good. Um, yeah, what do you think, Nick? You're going. You say you're going with Raiders. Yeah, dude, I'm going with the. Uh, I'm going with the Raiders in the point. Yeah. All right, so just to end it out, uh, I'll give a. We'll, we'll probably say the bye week again anyway, but uh, the bye week for this week is Denver, Houston, Jacksonville, the Pats, Philly, and Washington. So you have six teams off. That's three less games for the weekend. And that's about it. All right. That would be the show. That is it, man. Covered a lot of a lot of ground today. Oh yeah. Two hours plus. Oh, hey Todd. Thanks for watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys have any final words? We'll uh kind of cut this thing out. No. Not really. I think I just said what I had to say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On behalf of my co-hosts, Nick and Alex, we will catch you guys Friday, 930 Eastern Standard here on Facebook. Maybe Blackjack. I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll talk to you guys later.